fucking deep. Put it in deep. Happening down the left wing with Matthews who takes the drop pass. Shooting and scoring! Holy Mackinac, what a shot! Austin Matthews wins the game in overtime! You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Getting a lot of pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Wear them down. Get pucks in. Pucks in. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Alright, it's the Pucks in Deep podcast. It's episode 20. Here on a cold, freezing rain day here in Pembroke, Ontario. It's February 6th. And it's time to rejoice. As you heard off the intro, the Austin Matthews highlight. That's an overtime winner against the Buffalo Sabres earlier this season. One of many goals that earned him his extension worth $11.634 million per season. So Austin Matthews uh, quickly becoming one of the elite level players in this league and being paid uh, handsomely as such. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, it is a solo effort here today. Uh, Me by myself in my basement. Um, Don't feel bad for me. I got friends out there. Um, I got Lesko. uh, I'm going to be calling Lesko actually shortly here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. So we will hear from Lesko um, he is down in, I believe, Cuba uh, this week, so he's enjoying the sun, uh, maybe working on a bit of a tan. Lord knows that he could use it. Um, so good for him, and we're up here in the north uh, putting off shoveling and basically just getting over colds, getting over illnesses. That's kind of what I've been doing uh, recently. I battled through a, a bit of the flu last week, and we were able to come on and, and bring you guys some uh, some of our standard stuff. So I was able to, uh, I was happy to be able to do that uh, for the listeners and hopefully you guys have been following along and been enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PuckPod. Uh, you can follow myself at Coleman42 and you can find Adam on the Twitter sphere at Lesko Adam. So um, on top of Lesko calling in uh, shortly, I'm also going to be welcoming in another friend of the show, and uh, I guess I could call him a bit of a co-worker, co-volunteer worker, um, Rich Shapu. So Rich um, does the color commentary for myself, or with myself, um, at the Pembroke Lumber Kings Junior A CCHL Tier 1 games here in Pembroke. Um, for Hockey TV, and if any of our listeners out there have a Hockey TV account, um, you can log in and you can find Rich and myself bringing you the home games every Sunday here at the Pembroke Memorial Center. Uh, Rich also does the road games for the Pembroke Lumber Kings as well. He does those games for 104.9 MyFM. So we're going to hear from Rich a little bit later on. The guy is the most diehard Philadelphia sports fan uh, that you'll ever, that you'll ever come across. Uh, I know 
the Eagles in the NFL for sure. And of course, the Flyers um, in the NHL. I know that he is on top of those two sports franchises every day. Um, I'm not quite sure where his allegiances lay with the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, for example, in the other major sports, the NBA and the MLB, respectively. Um, but we'll we'll find out uh, when we bring Rich on. So uh, first order of business is to uh, tee up the phone call with Lesko. And then, um, you know, we'll probably have Lesko on for 20 minutes or so, shoot the breeze about the Austin Matthews contract, um, maybe a little bit of talk about this whole Mitch Marner and his agent, uh, David Ferris, um, what what's going on there, or Darren Ferris, excuse me, Darren Ferris, we'll see what's going on there. Um, there's been a whole lot of things developing ever since Matthews signed that contract on Tuesday. So we'll get right into that. I won't really uh, waste much time talking about it myself. I will have a few things to say uh, this evening, uh, you know, by myself here um, on the Pucks and Deep podcast. I didn't really look too, too heavily into the fantasy world, but um, I'm going to probably take that opportunity uh, during a break in between the two calls, maybe I'll see uh, what kind of schedule manipulations you can make uh, for the upcoming week. I know that um, last week I had a an interest, or two weeks ago, I guess I had an interesting uh, piece of advice for our listeners to go out there and chase after Michael Backlund for the Calgary Flames, who promptly scored one of the goals of the season uh, just a couple of days after um, my testament to him. So making me look good here on the Pucks and Deep podcast, and hopefully that trend uh, can continue. And as I've said before, uh, I'm not so much the guy that's going to, you know, tell you which player exactly that you should pick up or, uh, you know, which players that you should drop uh, if you have them in your lineup. Um, I'm more along the lines of wanting to give you the information that you can use to power uh, success uh, in your respective pools. And I think that information starts and finishes with uh, schedule manipulation. And when you're able to realize that you've got, you know, a bunch of guys from a certain team and they only have a couple of games this week, a uh, third line player can probably throw them down into the, the waiver wire without fear of having him being picked up. I can pick up another guy, get four games uh, versus two uh, and increase my man games and basically increase my my percentages of, of success or my likelihood of success in my in my weekly matchup. So I'm going to continue doing that uh, for you guys and I hope that uh, I hope that it's serving you well. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what else I can say to tee up this episode. It's going to be a bit of a weird one, um, of course, with myself being solo and and uh, Lesko being down in. Uh, down in the sunny south. So we've got a couple things to touch on. There was a trade uh, in the NHL um, today, actually. And, um, you know, the Oilers, of course, we're going to talk about them again. Uh, I feel like just certain teams just continue to come to the forefront here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. We're talking a lot about the Oilers this season. Very uh, interesting season for them. Somehow they're still not out of it, um, even though they've been just awful. Uh, and, um, you know, on the other side of the NHL and the other conference, you've got the Flyers. I mean, we've talked about the Flyers a lot, uh, so far in the Pucks and Deep, on the Pucks and Deep podcast. I know, uh, Rich has probably been, been tuning into some of those Flyer talks that we've had 
here on the Puck Pod. And I mean, they've been equally as interesting as the Edmonton Oilers, if not more, uh, given, you know, the interesting firing that they had with Ron Hextall and, you know, they had initially given him the, the keys to the city and, and, and said, it's your show and he wanted to be patient. And now I guess they're not willing to be patient. And uh, anyway, I'm really looking forward to to getting a an actual flyers, like an insider uh, diehard fans perspective on on how that went down and, and what Rich, um, you know, how he feels about where the organization is going uh, moving forward. We, uh, he plays Tuesday night hockey with us as well. Of course, Lesko and myself, uh, you know, we play uh, the same, the same time uh, Tuesdays at nine o'clock here in Pembroke at the, uh, at the PMC. And, uh, you know, we, we start a lot of conversations in the room before hockey, after hockey, uh, at Boston Pizza when we're drinking beers afterwards. And, you know, one of the things that, that Rich was talking about that I want to bring up is the is the coaching uh, situation in Philadelphia uh, and where that could uh, where that could head moving forward. So um, anyhow, without much uh, further ado, I think what I'll do is I'll take the uh, quick moment here and uh, tee up this call uh, with Lesko and, uh, and we'll get that all sorted out. So, um, the next time you uh, you hear my voice, we'll have Adam Lesko, my co-host, on the line, and he will be joining us from Cuba. So uh, stick with us for the next couple moments and uh, bear with us as we move through episode 20, which is a bit of a strange episode, but we're going to get it out. We're going to pump it out. We're going to have the information. We'll have some fantasy shit for you. So really, at the end of the day, it's not going to be much different than the other pods that we've had, other than the fact that we're going to have another guest on and only one guy is is here uh, behind the microphone. But I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. So uh, Lesko uh, will be present here on the Pucks and Deep podcast in just a few short moments. And I'm actually going to get that phone call teed up right now and bring it to you when we return. All right, and here we go. We're back, and we uh, we got Adam Lesko on the line. The uh, Pucks and Deep podcast has gone international. Lesko, why don't you uh, give the listeners a little bit of a regional breakdown of where you are and what it's like where you are. Yeah, man, there's no ice here. <laughs> None. Only in the drinks. Only in the drinks. That's right. And yeah, that's right. You got to be careful about that ice in those drinks. So I hear. You got to make sure. I think it's all right here as far as I know. All right. All right. And where is here exactly? I'm in Montego Bay, Sandals, Royal Caribbean. Uh, it's been a beautiful week here. Managed to catch uh, a Saturday night's game they had on in the bar. So I got that. But other than that, uh, been having to stream the other ones. So. Staying up to date with the boys and obviously the news coming out of Toronto, so it's been exciting. But miss talking hockey, I tell you that much, because no one here gives a shit about hockey. Do you no not... Americans talking about oh, football. Oh, I see. Well, of course. I mean, with the Super Bowl, obviously as exciting as it was. <laughs> did you catch any of that? What a uh, game! Did you catch mo- much of it? Let's go. I'm sure they must have had a viewing party. I think mean, yeah, they had a big viewing party down here, and uh, I was eating dinner for most of it. Caught a bit of the second half, and wow, what a what a boring ass game. Yeah, it was too bad. I mean, like the diehard fan will will stand up and tell you that it was a good game and you know, you got to give the defense credit and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I mean from the from the average fan which is myself and I don't know about you Lesko, but 
uh, you know, I'll watch the Super Bowl for sure. I'll probably watch some playoff games because playoff games are playoff games, right? They're always exciting. But that Super Bowl yeah. was, was definitely lackluster when you're talking about, uh, you know, the only records being broken were punts and uh, the only great plays of the game were also punts. Yeah, if you, if I guess if you're really in-depth in football, you'd appreciate the defensive aspects of that football game. But for the casual fan uh, who might be watching the – that's the only game they might watch of the year. It's it's not really what you what you're looking for. Well, I think even the casual fan of hockey was aware of the signing of uh, of Austin Matthews. And just so you know, Lesko, I basically haven't really said anything on the pod so far. I just did a quick intro, so we haven't touched on it. So I waited for you. Uh, I wanted to hear uh, how that went for you down there and when you found out. And I mean, it, you know what? Like I was driving in my car afterwards, and I had like the first time in a while that I cranked a, a song. Like I just, I just fucking cranked a tune. I don't even remember what it was. Like it was just a good fast rock song. And I was like, yeah, like fucking nailing feeling it. Good. <laughs> yeah. Like feeling good. And I remember even laughing to myself. Cause I was like, this isn't like a, this isn't the Taveras news. You know, when we, when we added John Taveras, we're not adding anything. We're just solidifying, I guess is the word to use. We're solidifying the franchise center. And I mean, it was, it was pretty reminiscent of my of my feelings when we signed John Tavares. What about yourself? Oh, I was. I mean, actually, so first to report credit goes to you because I you actually broke the news to me because I checked my phone and I had the message from you, and then I went on Twitter and and got some of the reaction and um, nice. I that caught makes him me on. Feel uh, good. Yeah, and I caught him on TSN radio. Uh, he was on Overdrive in the afternoon, so I caught that. I missed the Dubis uh, presser though. But yeah, my initial reaction was just relief. I mean, what we just went through with the Nylander saga, um, it, it's very, very relieving to see that they were able to work something out in season. Uh, it appears to be a fairly team-friendly deal as well, uh, considering uh, he, they had mentioned that he was looking at it, they crunched the numbers on a, on a long-term deal, and it just wasn't going to work out because the AAV was going to be too high and too high of a cap hit. That's right. So it sounds like this is the right thing. And I know there's some some knee-jerk reaction fans out there who are a little pissed off because, like, oh, he's just going to leave when he's a UFA in five years. Listen, five years in hockey is an eternity. Um, we Sit back and enjoy the ride. And, we, you know, the Leaf situation is going to be completely different by then. So, I, I, you know, my initial reaction is I'm happy, I'm satisfied, and I mean, it's it's just good to see that we don't have to go through what we went through earlier in the fall right. when we're recording a fucking show and screaming about <laughs> Nylander for four months. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's funny that you bring up the the word eternity because as as I'm as I'm speaking about this as a fan, um, you know, I, I'm 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 saying to myself, okay, I'll, I'll worry about five years from now, fucking five years from now. Okay, what's mm-hmm. the success of the team been like? How have we done? Are we Stanley Cup champions in five years from now? Um, you know, you can laugh at it all you want. That's just being, uh, you know, uh, nearsighted. Like, the, the, the team is good. Uh, they're following models that have won in the past. Um, but I'm, I'm coming back to the eternity thing. You think, yeah, that's, you know, what? So many years ago or so many years from now. But the problem is, is I think that, can go by very quickly. And then all of a sudden it's that fifth year and 
you know, maybe they haven't taken the next step. Maybe they lost in the first or second round a couple of times in those five years, never made it to a conference final or, or made it to one conference. You know what I'm getting at, eh? Like no, no, yeah, it's, no it's actual success that... there could result in this being a quick five years and then a, a really uneasy feeling in year six. Yeah, like I and I understand that because the it does shorten the the window perception with Tavares on six, Matthews on five, and then whatever we end up signing uh, Mariner for. Uh, so it does kind of shorten the period of time when when the team can really change in that period of success, and and it, it really might determine how we feel about it after a few years, how we feel about the term of the deal. Uh, but I, I, from the standpoint of the five year span going by and the roster being very different. Um, the prospect pool hopefully will be replenished a little bit. Right. And the cap situation is going to be drastically different as well if it continues to go up. Well, you got to factor in Seattle. I mean, Seattle is going to raise the cap, probably the standard amount that gets raised each season um, just on their own. Um, so if you factor, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, if you factor that in, like the, the, the money is going to continue to expand and increase for Kyle Dubas to use. And when you look at some of the longer term deals, eventually the deal becomes quote unquote, uh, underpaid or undervalued. But you have to remember when you sign those deals, it starts off as a quote unquote overpayment because they're elite level. So you say, okay, listen, we're going to sign you for a long deal. So we're going to sign you to a huge number. Like people get confused as to why the, the actual cap hit comes down when you lower the amount of years. Cause it's still your services, you know, your services are worth X per season. Yeah. And I don't understand how it works either, but there's a reason they do it. Well, that is what it is because when you start, when you sign long-term without an opt-out in the contract, that means that you, you are only going to be, and I say only, but you are going to be paid only that amount and no other amount for the full eight years. So if we say market value is 10 right now for a player, if they want to go eight years, they want 12 because by the end yeah. of their deal, that 10 is going to be fuck all. So they want 12. Yeah. yeah. And you know what I mean? Right. So then now they want 12 yeah, and every, yeah. And everyone's exactly. And everyone's going, what 12? Is he fucking crazy? Well, no, he's not. He's just looking after himself so that he's not underpaid. So either you do that or you do a five-year deal and, and, and re up at the end of it. Like, it's not that difficult. I don't understand why people seem to think that yeah. it's a bad, that it's a bad situation. I think it's a win-win for both Austin Matthews and his camp and the Leafs as as a franchise moving forward, big win. Yeah, and let's be honest here. The kid's going to make, uh, I think it's forty million dollars in the next two years because the first two, uh, July first, since his contract, he's going to make uh, what fifteen million dollars in signing bonuses, and then his eleven uh, his eleven million. So yeah, um, over forty million dollars in the first two years of his contract. One of the uh, most interesting facets of it was uh, because Matt Austin Matthews is a U.S. resident. Uh, and there's a, a particular tax deal between um, the Canada, Canada and the United States, whereas his actual salary is taxed in Canada at a 50% rate, which only works out to being um, his $3.2 million because 92% of this is in signing bonuses. But the signing bonus portion, which is 50 some million dollars, he only gets taxed 15%. 
So this is, uh, uh, I think, another brilliant move by the Leafs and demonstrates uh, the the kind of skillful mo- uh, money movements uh, of the Kyle Dubas and his team in structuring this in, in such a way that Austin Matthews stands to benefit to the maximum. It's like they're in a river that's like flowing downstream with all kinds of speed and everyone's crashing their boats into big rocks or medium-sized rocks or a bunch of small rocks and there's Dubas just like fucking dangling around around this rock and around those rocks and just flying right through it like a fucking hot knife through butter I mean with Marner left at this point there's nothing that anyone can say to me that doesn't make me believe that he's a fucking genius well he's proven time and time again that they're going to get it done and um, you know some people point out that he might sound overly confident. Uh, I know in his uh, clip yesterday, he basically said it's a matter of, of when, because obviously the story right now with Mitch Marner is the fact that they're unwilling to negotiate during the season. Yeah, we'll get into which, that. Fine, that's good. You have every right to do that. Um, it just obviously creates a little more anxiety for us fans. But, uh, you know, Kyle, from what Kyle Dubas has uh, accomplished thus far, I don't have any reason to believe, not believe him when he says that it's only a matter of time he's going to get it done. I just, uh, there's a, I'm really happy, I guess, is what I'm going for here. Like I'm really, well, relieved, like you said earlier, actually, that's a perfect description. I'm very relieved um, that the Matthews deal just seemed to occur without much uh, issue at all. Uh, Maybe I'm pleasantly surprised um, you know, we maybe it's just because of a bit of a bad taste in our mouths after the Nylander situation. I don't know. Um, but I mean, this seemed to be done very simply, uh, very efficiently for both sides. Both sides spoke extremely high of each other, which is a big thing uh, in negotiations, obviously. And um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, I thought maybe there might be uh, a bit of a hitch in the saddle or a a uh, crook in the road, basically, uh, because of some some injury, some time lost. You know, what are we thinking he's going to do in the future? Because often these contracts are they're giving money out based on what they're what you're expecting from the player, not not yeah. so much as what you've already done. That's the way things have changed now. It's it's not based so much on past performance, but on what they think you're capable of doing. Um, with Austin Matthews, I mean, we've seen plenty from him and we know what he is and i think the organization is confident in what he is and what he can be um and just based on uh the words that came out from Padubas and matthews yesterday they've been working on this for a long time i know there was rumblings last year probably in the spring that that they're you know they're on ongoing conversations so this wasn't done in a short period of time and i think with a deal this complicated and with the amount of money involved there's a long-term planning uh, process here uh, for for now in the future. So I think that, uh, as I said earlier, that this is a mutually beneficial contract. And um, as an organization, when you have a your first franchise center and however long it's been, you got to treat that guy right in every facet uh, of the game and off the ice as well, and that includes contract negotiations. All right, so let's move on to Marner. Uh, once again, Matthews, five years, 11.634 is the actual number. Um, as you mentioned, over 90% in bonuses. He's here for five, 
And I have absolutely no concern at this point in time in my life that he won't be here past that. So, uh, like like we both said, Marner's going got to steal the spotlight today. Yeah, yeah. Now, so we'll move on to yeah, Marner's agent, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Goes well, on the media tour. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I want to talk about before when when you brought up uh, Marner briefly uh, just moments ago. Um, you had said that there, him and his camp was not willing to negotiate during the season. And that's fine, like you say. So they're not willing to negotiate during the season, but what they are willing to do is go and basically negotiate through the media, which is now, uh, I guess, a very modernized way of managing your client uh, is to get your thoughts and your your wishes and your digs out there through the social media platform, which is what we saw through the Toronto Star, uh, a reporter by the name of Dave Festchuk, I'm sure you're probably familiar with him, uh, with the Toronto Star reports that Darren Ferris, Marner's agent, um, advised Marner on, or excuse me, uh, advised on Tuesday that uh, Marner's uh, camp was uh, lowballed by the Leafs. Um, and I mean, that wasn't that wasn't even recent, was it, Lesko, as of Tuesday? Apparently that report was actually from back in the summer and that's where it really kind of gets murky yeah so i guess what happened is fast check misrepresented the quote and that you know that could have been an editorial oversight um obviously fast check takes a lot of heat for his relationship going back with kessel and some of the the uh same i guess the salty feelings between the uh the organization some of the players and him so it doesn't exactly look good and i know he draws the ire of some fans uh so the quote, yeah, was from last summer, and I think the term "lowball" is what draws the heat. It, it's it's the word that's used in that situation. Yeah, it's it's and an insulting did, word. Half decent, yeah, and he had a half half decent um, a way of smoothing it over, and he said, you know, teams start far apart, and then you start meeting somewhere in the middle. Like they start low, we start high, and so that's that's a rational explanation. But I like I think it's just the word. It's a load. It's a loaded term, and I think that's what kind of got people fired up. Um, I, I really don't like the timing of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. The day after the Matthews contract, and as fans, of course, we're trying to enjoy this. And it's a game day here, and we got some big news. And then, you know, first thing in the morning, he's on he's on Landsberg and Koliakovo first up, and then he's on uh, uh, the Hockey Central, I think it was, and then does the whole tour. And I'm I'm like, can we not can we not do this today? Yeah, the timing was brutal. Um, and for me, so I don't know if you were aware of it too. Right after uh, the right after Ferris's appointment or uh, interview, I should say, on TSN ten fifty, immediately following the interview, Festchuk tweeted that Ferris was mistaken in his interview. So he took it upon himself to be like, "No, I listened, and he's wrong." And he goes on to hmm. say in the same tweet that he, in fact, just spoke with Ferris. And again, this is like, he probably just hung up the fucking phone with TSN. And he already probably had a text from Festchuk being like, bro, you you fucked up that quote. So he said, Ferris acknowledges that he meant to say that the quote was in reference to events from the summer. Right. It wasn't yeah. from and, the and summer. Was- yeah, like he's, it wasn't from the summer as as Marner's agent said on the line, but rather right. referencing something from the summer. So like what a weird something that was said. Yeah, like what a fucking weird, stupid 
situation that just did not need to happen. Just, just you don't want to negotiate, then then fucking shut up. Like, just don't negotiate until the end of the season. Yeah, I you know. I love that they have no problem. They don't want to negotiate, but they have no problem going and creating a creating a mini media circus out there and drawing undue attention to it. Like Dubis is not I, doing I that, is he? Dubis is not doing that. Dubis no, is yeah. saying little things like we want the core to stay. We want people to take hometown We're discounts, the right blah, things. blah, blah. He said that to everyone. He's not just saying it to Mitch Marner. He's saying it to, saying, saying it to everyone. It started with Nylander and it went through Matthews and now it's going through Marner as well. So he's not, I don't think like Dubis or Babcock are like taking digs and shit. I think they actually respond through media uh, relations that stem from the players' camp. Because that's what happened with the Nylander situation, if I'm not mistaken as well. There was a lot of shit floating around on the media, or in the media, and like the Leafs just kind of squashed it by saying, like, we believe that he'll be here. Remember when that was happening? When Babcock was like, well, you yeah, know, we've got players just- that aren't here right now, and once they uh, come here, then we're going to be real good. You know, and it's like, oh, Whatever Willie's we- coming. <laughs> Everybody's trying to read into everything, right? Everybody wants to see, you know, pick out tidbits of any any quotes that we get from the the coaches, the managers, and trying to read into those things. And um, I, you know, I, I expect the circus to continue because it seems that despite the team's success this year, uh, you know, people in the media want to drive storylines uh, behind this contracts and offer sheets and all this bullshit. Oh. Uh, the fan part of me just wants to focus on the game and enjoy things. Um, and speaking of the games, like I know Mitch in the last few has been a little bit quiet. Um, and then he got nailed. I think he got nailed to the bench for a few minutes in that Anaheim game. Uh, I was, what did you think about that? Well, I mean, he, you're right. He has been quiet. Um, I don't really want to go on record and say that I believe that he's a streaky player because I don't think he is but I do think he has streaky tendencies or tendencies I should say like I don't I don't know if it's anything that he's doing wrong uh you know out there I just feel like sometimes he's so creative that it it's going to breed some failure um, but that's what I really, really like about Mitch Marner as a player is his failures aren't like really, really shitty giveaways and they result in goals against. They're just like, you know, oh, that almost worked or what a what an effort, but he didn't pull it off kind of thing because it's mostly in the offensive zone. Um, and mostly I think when he gets shut down, I give a lot more credit to the defending team than I do shit to Mitch uh, because of the things that I see him do. Uh, game in and game out. Based on his production so far this year, you can understand why uh, teams would kind of key in on him as the their primary target to defend against. Uh, thankfully, in the last couple of games, though, we've seen um, contributions from all over the lineup. I mean, uh, Andreas Johnson throws up a four spot the other night uh, on the fourth line while he played 11 minutes with Freddie the Goat which is outstanding, and as one of their best left-wingers, he's totally miscast, I think, in that role, and maybe playing pissed off might have motivated him, and he threw up a big night, and I, I certainly expect to see him get off that line sometime soon uh, in order to, to uh, utilize the guy's talents. Um, one of my other big takeaways, uh, I wanted to talk about Jake Muzzin for a little bit because I don't know for, for the listeners who might have tuned into that game or at least saw the highlights, like, he, he's arrived, and I, if anyone who didn't catch it, uh, kind of all in one sequence, or within two plays, he 
completely destroys Corey Perry, who's a big boy, draws a penalty, and then snipes a power play goal with 2.2 seconds left. And I got to say, it's so nice to see a guy who can who can contribute in, in multiple facets of the game. And I know the fans gave him a standing O uh, when he scored and when he was named one of the stars of the game because I think that this has been a fan base that's always identified with your lunch pail heroes, your, yeah, your Wendell, Wendell Clarks, Clarks yeah. Gary Roberts, your Darcy <laughs> Tuckers. So we haven't had a defenseman that hasn't hit it, that's hit and been good because, excuse Polak, he used to hit people from, from behind like it was his job. Yeah, yeah. But to have He's a guy go out people, there and – yeah, and to be able to 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 uh, execute their checks properly. I mean, he leads with the stick, connects with the body. Um, you know, he makes them pay, and he can clear out the front of the net, and they can also contribute offensively. Yeah, that one timer man was just awesome. Like it was the definition of a one banger. You know, like he just teed it up and everybody knew he was shooting. He takes a huge windup, doesn't he? He goes way back, like way over his fucking head, you know, to, to get ready to slap it home. And we haven't seen, you're talking about hitting. We haven't seen anybody that shoots the puck like that in a really long time. Uh, either. Oh yeah. You know, we don't like take clappers anymore. At yeah. All. We don't take clappers. And I tell you, the one thing I wanted to talk about that hit real quick, I don't remember the last time that a Toronto Maple Leaf body check brought me out of my seat, which is exactly what that hit on Corey Perry did. And I thought that was like, it was literally fun. Like I felt like a kid again. Like I was like, yeah, like jumped off the couch. I was like, what a fucking hit, you know? And then Richie comes over and gives him a stupid, like the most stupid cross check that you will ever see. Didn't even hurt. Like at least take a bite out of him. If you're going to take a penalty, get your two minutes worth. Right. And I mean, like, what, what, what was he in there? Six shows, seconds? He was in there for six seconds. <laughs> you got to love that, too, because it shows, like, how frustrating of a guy he pl- he is to play against. And it goes back to what I've been saying frequently throughout the year, that I want this team to be tougher to play against. And I think that's one of the dimensions that, I, that I'm most excited about that Jake Muzzin brings. So happy to see it. And uh, I'm hap- I'm excited to see what uh, he does against the lowly Sens there this evening. Yeah, well, that- the, uh, the audio here might have changed a little bit because I'm outside because my wife has to blow dry her hair. <laughs> so if you hear some airplanes or noises. No, it's all good. It someone actually- saying like, yeah, man. No, it's all good. It just sounds like you walk down like a long hallway with no doors. Yeah, I'm on my balcony right now, and there's a bit of an echo out here. Nice. All right, no problem. Well, um, yeah, speaking of tonight, um, I was kind of going about my day today. I knew there was a game, and I knew it was against Ottawa because I was just talking about the game against Ottawa, like, last night. But then it almost hit me, like, oh, fuck, we play the Sens tonight. Like, that's not a big game, but, like, that's always been a big game for us, as you know, Lesko, being from Pembroke, right? Like, maybe not all, maybe not for all Leaf fans, but for us in our age category, like, there's just so many Sens fans in this area, so many Sens fans that listen to this podcast and, and as well, right? So, like, it's just a bit of a big game, and I almost get nervous about it because you know the parody in the league, man. Like, anybody can win at any time. And if there's a fucking team that would just trip us up, you know, it would be stupid Ottawa in fucking last place. But there's no way. Tell me that there's no way we're losing this game tonight. There can't be. Well, I'm of the belief, uh, just based on the performance that they had before the All-Star break against Washington. And then once again, we've seen them 
Uh, you know, they slept walk through that game against Detroit. That was uh, bad. They came up with a big effort against Pittsburgh and got Garrett Sparks a well-deserved win uh, and then really took it to the Ducks the other day. So I'm of the belief right now that we're kind of gotten out of that midseason lull that kind of was long. I mean, it was between post-Christmas almost right up to the All-Star break. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that they start to defeat these teams that – on any given night that they should be beating. Which is pretty uh, much everybody, man. Like, we need a run. There needs to be a run. And I right. think I think it really starts tonight. What is, What are we, What are we? three Ws in a row right now? It'd be, th- it'd be three in a row. And it'd be nice to put some distance between us and the Habs in Boston who are uh, we're sticking around for sure. Yeah, so uh, an opportunity to go for, for three in a row and kind of, like, start a bit of a run. Now, I understand that the team's haven't been super fantastic, but the the schedule coming up is great too with uh, with the Rangers and the Habs, right? So I mean, Habs are going to be a tough out, of course, as they always are, and they're doing well this year. But these are all teams well not well below us, but below us in the standings. So fucking move on and and get up there and and, and look after uh, trying to secure home ice uh, in the in the playoffs, right? If there's any chance that they're going to. Uh you know, I, I, I shouldn't say challenge for the division. I think we've written that off, but kind of cement themselves in that two spot. It's going to be completely dependent on them winning those key matchups and beating the teams they should beat. So that's the non-playoff teams, the basement dwellers. Those are points that you can't afford to leave on the table. This guy wheeling a fucking cart going by here. Like, <laughs> nice. And was it a beer cart, bar cart? Grab me a drink. I don't know. I hope he's coming to my room if he's got a bunch of liquor on there. What's your drink of choice down there? Anyways, do you have, listen, before you answer that specifically on vacay, answer this as a two-part question. Question one, when on vacation do you seem to have like a, a different drink that you don't normally drink, you know, even in the summertime here in Pembroke? And question two, what is it? Well, for so to answer that, uh, I, I swear the only times I drink like pina coladas and like mainly rum, like I'm not a big rum guy, but like the blended fancy drinks that no, I know never have the stuff or the effort to make at home. I suck back those things all day. Okay. And it gets you a good day buzz. So you don't get too like, you don't get too oiled up during the day and you're, you're still presentable for dinner. Yes. And then later on in the evening, I'll get back to my, my standard beer, you know, have some wine with dinner, maybe throw down a couple rise if I'm feeling bloated, throw down some shots, <laughs> oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. Standard stuff, really. Standard, Standard stuff. stuff. Well, we've been putting in shifts here. Like, my <laughs> wife and I have been shutting down the resort most nights. Oh, that's wicked. That's wicked, man. Well, I'm glad you're having a good time. Um, do I have you for uh, um, another minute, or do, or do you want to wrap it up here? You got dinner coming five oh five. Yeah, I got another minute for sure. Okay, all right. Well, I don't want to go on. I didn't want to go on for too, too long about this, but basically when you touched on offer sheets before, I wanted to take the opportunity, and I might once I hang up with you, I, I probably will go on a bit of a rant on this because it really bothers me. The offer sheet talk just needs to stop. And like you got people saying to me, yeah, but they're saying it on TSN. They're saying it on Sportsnet. They're saying that the league is for sure, you know, moving this way, and the Leafs are afraid of all this stuff. Like it, it's just not happening. It's not happening with Mitch Marner. Zero. I think it was think- more likely to happen with Matthews. And and sorry to one last point. The only reason why I think it was more uh, of an option with Matthews is has nothing to do with the team on the ice, but selling tickets and making money. Like from a business point of view, it would have been fantastic to bring him home and try and 
create something there. But as far as Marner is concerned, there's just no fucking way, man. Yeah, and that the other aspect of it is these stories have no basis in reality for me because I don't think if there was anything going behind the scenes or someone was thinking about it that anyone from the media was act, would actually know. And I don't think there's been any insider reports to, to, to actually give us any evidence that this is something being considered or it's for sure coming. But the amount of uh, airtime it's been getting lately leads you to believe that it is, it's almost for sure going to happen. So my impression is that it, this is clickbait shit. I mean, think yes, about it. The I media agree. comes out in the morning, TSN or whatever runs a story about offer sheets, and then guess what we're doing on Twitter and on our podcast and uh, talking about fucking offer sheets. But see, and I don't it generates even... clicks and sorry, I don't even want to talk about clicks, the offer generates sheet. Generates fucking engagement. Yeah, you're right. That's what they want to do. I don't even want to talk about the offer sheet and, 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 and how it exists and who would submit it and all this bullshit. I don't even want to speculate. I want to talk about why we need to stop talking about it because yeah, I feel like when you're the person that's like, no, it's it's 100% happening. I heard it. I heard it multiple stations. This guy said whatever. It's for sure happening, man. I'm fucking telling you. I feel like you just look super foolish. You look more foolish than me for saying that there's 0% chance that it could happen because I understand that it could. I know that it could. But mm-hmm. I'm more confident in saying that 0% and then I can give you several reasons why. Mo- most, yeah. most importantly being nobody is going to cripple their franchise with a stupidly high number. Like we're talking way higher than an eight-year AAV deal. So let's say he was getting... Yeah, we're talking like... 13. Somebody would have to offer him more than Matthews <laughs> yes. to even get him considerate. Yes, and and the thing is, is like <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Nobody out there wants to tie themselves into eight years at a ridiculous overpayment for a winger in the NHL with, with, who, doesn't not, who does not have size. Like I'm not talking down to Marner. I'm not saying he's not valuable. I don't. I hate to like use his size. I'm just saying like overall, when you when you make a move for something like that, it's like really substantial. Or or it's like a personal vendetta against the fucking general manager that you're yeah, stealing. To fuck with yeah, the yeah, exactly. And, and then, then yeah. The, sorry. The final thing is is that he that. he needs to want to sign it. Which isn't going to happen. He'd have to. He he want, has to want to leave, man. Where would he want to leave to uh, go yeah, to? We know, and we know from all that's been said throughout. And he's a local boy, like that. He wants to play for this team. And the, and the other aspect of it about whether or not this has a basis, reality. There could have there could be plenty of offer sheets, and but if he doesn't sign them, odds are we won't hear about them. And that would be an interesting thing to know over the years. How many offer sheets have been thrown out there, but were never considered or signed, but they were offered. I'd like to see a two-stage program where if you are wanting to submit one, then you must submit it and everybody knows about it. And then whether or not it comes to fruition is basically on the team. 48-hour window. And then we all know, kind of like waivers. This guy's on waivers. Everybody knows about it. Oh, and then he clears. Cool. Or he doesn't clear. Same thing. Offer sheet. Boom. Submitted. Oh, 48 hours. They have to respond. Either match or, you know, say see you later to the player. Is that your plane? You hear that plane? Are you missing your plane, bud? You hear that? (laughs) Yeah. The listeners think that I just put a, a, like a sound bite of an airplane flying over. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's this place is surprisingly close to the airport, so you get uh, you get a little bit of air traffic flying by here throughout the day. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna strap my tarp on and down this glass of wine, and then head out to meet my family. Okay, buddy. Well, thanks, thanks for having me on the show, though. Really appreciate it. Well, hey, no, thanks for making time to uh, to help us out. And I mean, we're gonna be. I'm mean, fuck. We're already at like 45 minutes, so we're putting out a pretty decent episode already, man. So thanks for uh, for, for taking time out of your vacay to contribute. Again, follow Lesko at Lesko42 on the Pucks and Deep podcast. And uh, you just blended our you blended our handles there. Oh, did I? Okay. At yeah, Le- who's on vacation here? Like, yeah. fuck. At Let's Go Adam. Yeah, good point. All right, get to dinner, have a couple drinks, and uh, hopefully you get to uh, stream the game tonight, my man. Absolutely. I'll be all over it. I'll be following along, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, man. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Travel safe. See you soon. All right. Cheers. Bye. All right, so that was Let's Go uh, at Let's Go Adam uh, on the Twitter sphere as he pointed out i blended the handles together um yeah so that's gonna do it for our first segment that was a great call um i should have taken some notes during um see about closing notes afterwards maybe i'll just listen to it back real quickly uh during the break but i'm gonna take a uh, take a fiver i gotta tee up our next caller uh rich Shapu from uh, pembroke ontario here friend of the show uh my color commentator partner uh, up in the uh, Bill K broadcast booth for Pembroke Lumber Kings games, as I mentioned off the top of the episode. So I'm going to take a quick break and tee up that phone call with Rich and uh, we'll be right back. The little guy playing a big game gets his second of the night to finally put the Kings in a lead here with 524 to go. Wow, that is huge. All right, we're back here on the Pucks and Deep podcast, and that goal that you just heard, that highlight that I teed us up with there, uh, was a goal from the Pembroke Lumber Kings earlier this season. And again, you can find those highlights and live games on hockey TV. Uh, on the internet if you have a subscription you can log in and you can hear that uh, reliable and colorful voice of my partner in crime up in the Bill K broadcast booth that's Rich the Kid Shapu on the color call uh, and Rich joins us now here on the Pucks and Deep podcast and Rich thanks a lot for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to give the listeners a little bit of insight here to the uh, the local legend that is Rich the Kid Shapu thanks for joining us my man. Wow, thanks for the intro there. Thanks for having me. This is exciting, my first podcast. But, uh, yeah, I actually remember that game, uh, Brady Egan, really. I mean, here's a, a small player, you know, but he plays such a big game. And, and uh, the Kings were really starting to turn things around, putting back-to-back wins there, and that was a big one for them that night. And, yeah, Brady Egan, I mean, uh, well, someone once said about him that they expect him to be a star in this league in the next year or two, and you, just, you can see that uh, he has all the skills to do just that. Well, you know, Rich, um, 
I love doing those games every Sunday. Uh, it seems that for, for many years, obviously, we had a real, real exciting product here uh, at the Pembroke Memorial Center with the Kings winning championships, Sheldon Keefe being a part of that process. Um, for yourself, why don't you uh, let the listeners know, I mean, how did you get yourself into that, Rich? I know that you spent some time uh, in Stittsville and you hooked up with Jeff Patterson, who is the uh, the PA, the, the voice of the Lumber Kings here in town. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate being able to spend time up, you, uh, up uh, in the booth with you calling those games. I think we've got a good thing going up there over these years. I certainly agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a small world when you think about it. It's how it all happened was, uh, yeah, I was down in Stittsville, and our neighbors, unbeknownst to me, were really good friends uh, of Jess Patterson. And, of course, myself, being a huge Flyer fan, which I'm sure we'll touch on just in a few minutes, um, I always notice when someone's wearing some black and the orange. And, of course, Jess Patterson pulls up to go and see my neighbor, which, again, I didn't know they were friends. It was a good buddy of his, actually. Um, so yeah, and I, I just, I, I did a kind of double take and I go, Hey, that's Jeff Patterson. So we kind of just hugged in the street and, uh, I said, Hey, once you're done your visit with your, your friend, why don't you come over and, uh, you know, we'll chat long story short, you know, he didn't call me too much longer after that to give him a hand one night in Canada. And I said, sure, I'm all for it. And here we are 13 years later. And, uh, you know, I, I eventually got hooked up with you and you're right. I think we have a great thing going here at the PMC to Bill K broadcast booth. And, you know, we, uh, we work smoothly and we work well off each other. And, uh, you know, um, even though I'm a little bit older than you, I think we work well together and I, I, I look forward to every Sunday night working with you, my friend. Well, I think it's a good contrast, the old and the young, I guess. So we'll, we'll leave that up to the listener's imagination for sure, Rich. Yeah. But, uh, so some 13 years ago then when, uh, when you hooked up with Patterson down in Canada for a game, would that have been your first effort, uh, you know, behind the microphone, uh, at a live sporting event or had you have, had you have put in time, uh, doing other things before then? Uh, no, I mean, I am very comfortable behind a microphone, but as far as a sporting event goes, that would be my first. Um, and, uh, I remember it as if, as if it was today, as, uh, he, he had called me that night and I said, sure, I'll see you Tuesday night. And uh, a little bit nervous when I got on air because I didn't, you know, I was all new to this, but Jeff, the, the professional that he is, you know, he guided me along he taught me a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I eventually got comfortable because again, like I said, I'm very comfortable behind a microphone and, uh, you know, I've emceed a lot of events, uh, whatnot weddings have what have you right. and uh and i sing as well in a band so again it's, it's all it's all uh, normal to me to, to to have a mic in my face the rich of all trades yeah holy geez good stuff so would that have been something that maybe throughout your life rich you had thought man that would be cool to do you know you listen to games on the radio you see games on tv maybe at some point it, it, it may have crossed your mind that uh that would be something that a guy like yourself maybe you could see yourself doing at one point in the future and lo and behold here you are well, you know, it's funny you say that because as a kid, I mean, I don't know if all kids were like that, playing street hockey or whatever, but I know I was. And I remember playing street hockey with friends. And whenever I donned the pads, yes, believe it or not, I did wear the pads. I would actually call out the games as it was progressing. So I, right, from an, right from an early age, I was I was calling it. Uh, but as I, I found out quickly in this business, I thought, 
you know, maybe I'm not the play-by-play guy. I mean, guys like yourself and Jeff just come so natural to you guys. And for me, I think my, my niche is more the, the color commentating and uh, breaking it down. And uh, But, I mean, everyone has their task, and then that's fine with that. But, no, again, it's just it went back to that. I, I seem to always have to, to comment on stuff. And I go, okay, well, this is this is, a, is eventually going to happen. And it did. Not that uh, I knew whatever would, but uh, I'm glad it did. And, you know, and I'm, I'm scratching my head thinking, I don't know why I never took this whole broadcasting thing in school. Um, you know, uh, it, it's just it's just a, a brain a teaser that I, I just I went a different direction. Of course, I took accounting because I found it so easy in high school, and so I go that route. But yeah, just I, I thought maybe now that I'm in this, I go, wow, why didn't I go this route? But whatever, it is what it is. And right now, I'm just enjoying my time uh, with the Lumber Kings and with you and Jeff. Great, yeah, it is a great time, and uh, we're cut from the same cloth, Rich, because I'm pretty much the. Uh, you you described me as a, as a kid as well playing playing road hockey and <laughs> calling it out you know oh, big save <laughs> the goalie turn around yeah, yeah. It's like you know because <laughs> you miss it when you're not watching or, or listening so so that's good yeah um, all right listen let's uh, let's get the elephant in, in the room uh, out of the way here uh, you're you're going to be our Philly uh, our resident Philly. Uh, go-to correspondent, I guess we could call it here uh, on the Pucks and D podcast. And I originally, as you know, I I had wanted to have you on much earlier, Rich, back when the Flyers were uh, really in the news. Not that they're not in the news now, having won eight games in a row, but they were in the news for the wrong reasons earlier this season when they relieved uh, Ron Hextall of his general manager duties. And, you know, they were kind of fighting with Edmonton and Ottawa for like, who could you know handle things worse uh, in in the as far as front office is concerned? Uh, there was a three horse race there. I think Philly has seemed to have managed uh, to steady their boat, but yeah, I wanted to bring you on at that time because I thought the, the season was really unfolding in a very interesting manner uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers, and I think for yourself as a as a diehard fan, I mean, you must have a few things to say about this uh, about this season and how things have unfolded so far. Yeah, for sure, Josh. Uh, and you nailed that I am dire. Anyone who knows anything about me, um, you know, if you want to know how I got cheering for these guys, uh, five years old, my mom just said, hey, this is a team. Check these guys out. And it was on TV. And it's funny how that just stuck with me. I never wavered. And uh, yeah, just huge, huge, huge Philadelphia Flyer fan. And uh, had big expectations for the season this year, as I'm sure all Flyer fans did. And you're right. It just they weren't having a season that they they wanted to, or ex- at least expected to. And uh, you're right. Oh my goodness! I mean, they were they having their problems? And uh, I mean, where do you want to start? You mentioned Ron Hextall, and that's my boy. You know, when he became a flyer, my goodness, I just, I just, I just couldn't watch enough of this guy. I said, look at this guy. He's so intense. He's good. Look how he handles himself. And. I always remember my mom saying, you know, your boy's going to end up killing somebody someday. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, what do you, how do you want me to answer Probably that? Probably deserved it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, I really felt bad for Hexy when uh, he got canned. Uh, I think surprised a lot of people. I know when Jeff and I and a buddy, we took a big Philly trip late uh, last October. Um, you know, as soon as we got to Philly, uh, in restaurants or whatever, people were coming up to us and saying, uh, you know, well, maybe he's got to go and maybe he's got to go. And we're going, what are you guys talking about? But, uh, so really maybe threw a lot of people off when the Hexall did get canned. But I think what they're saying is, I mean, I try to follow the Flyers as best as I can. I think one of the reasons they were saying is, or maybe two, one is that, you know, Hexall had this five year plan where, 
essentially he followed the same rule when he was with assistant GM with the LA Kings. And, uh, you know, he just stuck to his plan. He said, I'm not going to rush my youth. Um, you know, I'm just going to stick with my plan and maybe upper management and, and, and the whole city was maybe getting tired of that. The other thing was as well as, uh, the whole Simmons thing, which we could probably talk about as well too, is that supposedly, uh, he that that was Simmons' future was part of the the divide uh, between Hexall and upper management. So you know, I guess upper management didn't like how Hexall was progressing, or if you will, non-progressing with uh, you know the contract with uh, Simmons. So the pending contract. So yeah, I mean, those two things come to the forefront, and unfortunately, it cost Hexall's job, and uh, it, it hurts when I you know because I I think back in the days, and I think I was telling you this last night. You know, it just never sat right for me when I saw him in a Quebec Nordique jersey or a, a New York Islander jersey. And going, you know, there's just some guys that have to wear the one and only color. And for Hexall, it's orange and black. And, uh, you know, unfortunately now his days are done with the team. But, you know, I'm sure he's still going to be a big part of our organization somehow, some way. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to miss him. But now with this new man in, Chuck Fletcher, here's a guy that, you know, I mean, he's he's done some wonders with the Minnesota Wild. I mean, uh, I believe nine years with them. He got them to the playoffs six years. And he was one of the uh, guys that really uh, you know brought in guys like Devin Dubnik, who was a big part of that franchise. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, do I want to be him right now? He's got a tough uh, spring and summer ahead. But uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he does the right choices and uh, decisions. But it's going to be interesting these next few months. Well, perfect segue, Rich, because my next question was involving the future and, and where you believe uh, or where you might even hope, let's say. Let's 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 separate those two. Maybe where you hope to see the Flyers move uh, moving forward. Because for me, the most interesting thing about the Hextall firing was that basically they announced to the world that they weren't going to... Um, I guess they weren't going to tolerate, for lack of a better word, um, they weren't going to tolerate his patience. And that was what he was preaching, uh, you know, basically from the word go, uh, was we have to be patient with our organization, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I want to do things this way. And they said, well, we don't want to do it that way. So they parted ways. So basically, I took that to mean, okay, they're not being super patient. They're going to start making some moves. They're going to make some changes. Fletcher's going to come in and put his fingerprints on it almost immediately. We haven't really seen that. So when are we going to see some changes and what do you think they might be? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, if we start from the net out, I mean, for me, you're right. I mean, Hexall was all about patience. And him being a former goaltender himself, a guy like Carter Hardy's going, I'm not going to rush this kid at all. I don't want to burn him. And lo and behold, Hextall is gone. And, of course, we all know the goalie carousel that seems to be every year and so much more this year going through seven goaltenders. That is just un- unbelievable. Carter Hart gets a call up. And it's funny because, I mentioned the trip we took earlier in October, and we spoke to their uh, play-by-play guy, Rob uh, Rotruck. Uh, he actually gave us more of the um, the facilities in Allentown, the Lehigh Valley, where the Lehigh Valley Phantoms play. And yeah. it was our first it was our first look at Carter Hart. And of course, everyone is around the glass and warm up, including myself, taking picks. And uh, you know, we said, "Here's the future of the Flyers." But speaking to the play-by-play guy, he says, no, this kid is not ready. I know the city is yelling to call him up, call him up, but he's nowhere near ready. 
and um, and he was even struggling at that level. Uh, that game that night, he actually uh, got scored on the last minute game. They lost six five, but uh, he was struggling. But before he got the big call up, he did eventually start putting things together. And I mean, look at what he's doing now. So um, for Chuck Fletcher, obviously, <laughs> I think he's happy to see that. And you know, you look at a guy like Stoller, um, a big kid, six foot seven. Should be that reliable backup. Could be number one as well too to push hard and out. That's always a healthy thing. So I think the future looks bright in Nets for the Flyers. They've been waiting so so long to get solid goaltending, and uh, you know I feel bad for a guy like Brian Elliott because before he went down an injury, he actually he, had, he actually had decent numbers. Uh, I believe his uh, his goals against were under three two. 0.6 or 2.89, something like that. So they were solid numbers. It wasn't because of him that they were losing. Um, so from goaltending standpoint, I think the Flyers look very, very bright. I mean, this kid, Carter Hart, oh my God, he's got ice in his veins and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, reeled off seven wins in a row now. Of course, the team has eight in a row. And, right. uh, He's going to be the backup tomorrow night uh, as they play L.A. Stolars is going to get the start. But, yeah, this kid is just phenomenal. Um, what is Chuck Fletcher going to do? I mean, I think he would like to maybe get maybe a, not necessarily a stud, but I think a more experienced blue liner. They, the, as you know, uh, Josh, the Flyers really struggling on the blue line this year. They were expecting big things out of guys like Provrop and, and Gosses Bear. Those guys just took a step backwards this year yeah, compared to the seasons they had last year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of late, uh, you know, Chuck Fletcher bringing in Rick Wilson, and maybe you're too young to remember him, but he actually played NHL for the Habs, I believe, Washington as well, a couple teams, and uh, he knows all about defense. He was a solid defenseman in his time, and he's really, really coming along with guys like Pro Rob and Gosses Bear. Those guys have picked up their game since his arrival. And uh, But, yeah, I think Chuck, uh, Chuck Fletcher will need to maybe get, like I say, uh, maybe a more um, – experience a veteran on the blue line just to maybe guide those kids along on the ice um as far as forwards you know yourself they're just so talented up front now the guy the age is coming to be a factor for guys like Giroux and Voracek but I mean the youth is there you talk about guys like Travis connecting who Jeff Patterson believes that someday could be a future captain of the Flyers okay um you know, you got Oscar Lindblom as well, European, who looks like he's really putting it together as well, too. And, and you know, how, how, what can you say about Nolan Patrick? That guy is just so sweet. He's solely skilled. And, uh, and then Couturier as well, too. So they're set there. Um, but, yeah, probably could use another score or two up front as well, too. And uh, I'm looking, as every other fan is, uh, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, I believe it's the 25th trade day. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what he does. But uh, And it's going to be interesting now, like you mentioned, they're on this roll. Are they just going to be buyers now and not sellers? Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, Josh. Yeah, well, again, that was the next point on my on my prep here that I had was uh, with this eight-game win streak. And I think it was two weeks ago, two podcasts ago for Lesko and myself, when I, uh, right towards the end of the pod, I said, uh, are the Flyers going to win 12, 12 straight and get back in this thing? And I mean, 12 straight would not just get them back into this thing. 12 straight would probably put them right in the mix. Um, they're, they're eight already eight deep and, uh, you know, basically, uh, they're, they're on the outside looking in, but it's not as unfathomable as it once seemed probably, uh, two or three short weeks ago. And I'm sure you're quite aware of that as the fan, you are watching these games on a nightly basis, Rich. No, that's just it. And you're right. And right now they got the luxury. They are, they have a few more home games coming up. I mentioned tomorrow night against LA. L.A. is coming off a big win against Jersey, 5-1 last night. But uh, so uh, 
the Flyers that they can beat LA and then Saturday afternoon at home again against the Ducks and we all know the Ducks struggles as well. Uh, so you know the, the the Flyers could be looking at maybe uh, going ten and over here uh, in the next couple of days. We'll we'll see what that hap- if that happens. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean it's been a frustrating year for them and just. You talk about, but if any team's going to do it, I mean, they're they're just an up and down team. Of yeah. course, last year, you know, they lost ten, they win ten in a row. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's very, maybe that's why I'm so gray here on top, my friend. <laughs> it's very frustrating watching this hockey team. It would be. I feel like that's just a knife through your heart. Like I went through some hardships, obviously, as you know, with the Leafs being less than stellar there throughout uh, whatever it was, 2000, early 2000s to, you know, 2000 and, well, I guess 16 or 15. So there was a while, there was a good 10 years or so, maybe more, yeah. where, where they were pretty bad. And like that, I just I just basically knew the team was no good versus your situation. The team is pretty damn good, but why can't they win on more of a consistent basis and then they rattle off 10 and they go how's that for consistency well that's not consistent at all like if i (laughs) if i flip a coin if i flip a coin 10 times i don't think it's going to be heads 10 out of 10 times i know it could be but i don't think it's going to be i don't think the odds are in that favor either but it just seems with philly that's the way it is it's either they're losing a bunch or they're winning a bunch and it kind of revolves around uh, the goaltending, and I wanted to t- touch on that just one more time. I'm going to put you on the spot because only because I have it in front of me. Can sure. you na- can you name the seven goalies that the Flyers have used this year? I think I can, my friend. And just so uh, I mean, believe me or not, I do not have it written down in front of me. So let's go here. So I okay. did mention Brian Elliott because, yeah. of course, him and uh, Michael Neuver were to start off this season. They were their goaltenders. Okay, there's of course, two. they went down. With, yeah, they went down with injuries. So then they went with. Uh, a guy that you would know of called Calvin Pickard. Okay, yeah, nice. And and that that experience didn't uh, that experiment, pardon me, didn't work out too well. So then they moved on to a, a, a man of theirs in uh, Lehigh Valley, uh, Alex Lyon. Nice. That would have been the one that I think people may have skipped over. <laughs> Yeah, they went with Lyon, and of course, uh, you know, that didn't work out too well as well. And then Stolarz, the other, um, um, at Lehigh Valley Phantom. And then they really uh, went experimenting here and went uh, with Mike McKenna. And uh, there's a guy that went from, like, the Sens to Vancouver to the Flyers in just a matter of days. And so that was really interesting. And then, of course... How about Carter Hart? So is that all seven I mentioned there? Yeah, well, you 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 didn't blow over Stolars, but you mentioned Stolars as well. So that yeah, so that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's yeah. So there's your seven. Wow, very well done, my friend. And in chronological order too. So really, just uh, proving to the listeners that this isn't just a, a bit of a joke call. Rich knows his flyers. Rich knows his Philly sports. Oh, I do. <laughs> now spe- I do. Speaking of Philly sports, Rich, I know you're a big. Uh, I know you're a big Eagles fan. Fly Eagles, fly. Um, you're one of your favorite things to say, of course, and all Philly fans as well. Does that um, spill over into any other major sports as well, or or do you not really have too 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 much uh, of an eye on the television for uh, teams like the Phillies and the Seventy Sixers and the MLB and NBA, respectively? I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'm all Philly all the time. Now, in saying that, am I following the other sports uh, teams? As, as religiously as the Flyers, no, I'd be a liar to say that I am. Uh, I know the one year when the Flyers weren't in the playoffs at all, uh, I said, you know what, for the heck of it, I'm going to try this NBA thing. I'm going to get on a train. And it was a good time to do that because the Sixers had a great team and they oh, actually nice. went all the way to the fi- 
they went all the way to the finals. So, you know, I was starting to learn a bit of the game and whatnot. And so, so I really gave it a, a, a full attention uh, that year. I, I, I couldn't remember what that year that was. But anyways, I followed them through there. As far as uh, the baseball team, the Phillies, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like anyone else, uh, summertime, when there's nothing to do, I'll throw in the odd ball game. But again, hey, let's face it. So you and I talked about that, I think, the other day. Uh, 162 games. Am oh. I going to watch all 162 games? <laughs> who, who really does? I they, mean, there's they, they, people they, do it they, for them. It's the only sport I know of that plays twice a fucking day they play two games in one day <laughs> exactly <laughs> like literally i'm not exactly. even joking they literally play a double header like <laughs> you know <it's, laughs> what are you 13 in uh in bantam ball here or something like that's kind of crazy yeah, exactly <laughs> they play so many games so i see what no, you're saying so you might attend the parade you know if it's if, yeah. if it fits your schedule and the phillies win and or the 76ers win you might go down for a few philly uh cheesesteak sandwiches and catch the parade i'm assuming wouldn't you as a good sports fan oh no doubt. I mean, uh, like they say, when in Rome, you have to have a Philly cheesesteak. Those things are so fucking amazing. Uh, <laughs> right on. But uh, you speak in the, and then you mentioned the Eagles. I mean, I had my opportunity to finally see them play, and it's my first ever NFL game, so that was cool, too, in October. And uh, But boy, oh boy, you know, I, I saw it firsthand. I know how that city is crazy about the Flyers, but it's just another one or two, three levels more uh, with the Eagles. These guys just take it so, so serious. I mean, three minutes of the game, you hear them yelling at Cam Newton, you know, you effing this, you effing that. And oh my goodness, I'm going, are you kidding me? Three minutes in. And then, and then it was hilarious when the game is over because of course the Eagles blew it. They were up by 17 points. They blew it. And you just hear the fans falling out. Well, this fucks my whole week up. You know, that's how passionate, how passionate these guys are about the Eagles. Never mind the Flyers. Oh my goodness. But I just love it. I love it. I love that city. I just, I can't get enough of that town. <laughs> and there's been some, obviously some great movies filmed in the town. Let's talk about a little Rocky filmed in the town. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of history there. So, um, you know, you're never going to catch me being one of those guys that uh, is bad mouth in Philly in, 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 uh, in your presence. Cause I might just catch a quick elbow. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Listen, so one last thing, uh, a couple more things before I let you go, Rich. Uh, one more closing note on the flyers, and then I want to throw you a, a bit of a, sure. a bit of a curveball to end the sh- or to end the uh, to end the call, which has been great. Thanks again so much for uh, for, hey, no uh, for, for being involved. Um, okay, so my last point on the flyers uh, again, as a as a fan, I want to hear your thoughts as to as we sit today, and I know it's a big question mark because we don't know how the season's going to play out. Columbus is continuing to free fall. Um, you know, I'm not sure how scared you are of the Rangers or the Hurricanes. I think you have just as good of a shot to get in to get in as as much as those teams do. So, with with all the question marks, you know, uh, factored in, would you say at this point that your franchise, the Philadelphia Flyers, is in a good spot, or would you use perhaps another adjective to describe it, such as a confusing spot? Uh, you know, uh, just let me know where, where you think the franchise is right now and how confident you feel, you know, taking steps forward. Well, I mean, with the streak going on right now, it's easy to say, yeah, everything is great for the Flyers. But, I mean, you can never have enough uh, tools in your toolbox, if you will. And, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, Chuck Fletcher is a smart, smart man, and he realizes that as well, too. And if, if he can make the right deal, he's certainly going to bring in another piece or two. I mentioned that, you know, they could probably use another guy to put the biscuit in the net. I mean, yeah, they got GVR, and, 
And then JVR, you know, he's had a tough start to the season, but he seems to be coming around now and playing with Giroux and Konechny. But yeah, if they can get another goal scorer, maybe like JVR, that would be sweet and maybe even a help on the blue line. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, we never really touched on Simmons. Here's a guy that I would dearly, dearly love for the the, uh, the Flyers to hold on to him. But uh, word is, in, in the Flyer country, if you will, they're saying, no, they need to trade him. I mean, uh, and they listed a few reasons why. They say that, you know, we're past midpoint of season right now. Uh, let's face it, the Flyers are near the bottom of the standings. He has been a bargain for the Flyers. I believe the salary this season is $3.9 million, And I believe he needs four more goals this season for another 20-goal season. So good on him. Uh, Looking at a possible five-year deal, and Chuck Fletcher, I think he's only interested in three or less. So uh, he is going to be 31 years old this August, and uh, yeah, so it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm sure a lot of teams out there are licking their chops at the possibility of landing him. I mean, this guy is your prototypical power forward. I mean, he any game you want to play, he can play it. If you want to play physical. He's there, a great net presence, and uh, yeah, I'm going to hate to see him leave, but uh, you know they figured that that might just be too much money, uh, you know, in the off season to sign him. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'd love to see him in Toronto. I know he's a local boy as well. I mean, he'd fit the uh, he'd fit the mold perfectly. But the reason why I bring the Leafs up is because we already paid our first round pick uh, for the Jake Muzzin trade from L.A. Right. Um, to address our defensive needs. So Simmons is kind of off the table for a team like Toronto because as it sounds, uh, it sounds that he will be fetching a first-round pick. So for yourself as a fan, I think it sometimes can be difficult for fans to appreciate the value of like a first-round pick. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, you look back in time and even some of the some of the later picks in the first round can really hit um, or early picks in the second round, of course. So, I mean, you give yourself an opportunity to just throw your hat in the ring and, and find a guy like a, like a Sebastian Ajo drafted uh, early second round. You know, these guys are available to be found. You just got to, you got to put the trust in your scouting department to get that done. Well, Josh, a good segue talking about your buds because uh, they listed the seven possibility teams that maybe Simmons can go to. And, of course, the Leafs are one. Now, Chuck Fletcher would be interested in someone like Andreas Janssen or maybe even Connor Brown, if, if that be it. But like I say, now that they, they did this whole, uh, you know, obviously Muzzin and stuff, can they afford uh, Simmons? Again, we're going to find out. But the other teams they mentioned is someone like maybe Buffalo Sabres or Columbus Blue Jackets or the Bruins or the Ducks or the Avalanche or Dallas Stars. So uh, there's a lot of interest in Wayne Simmons, and why wouldn't there be? But, man, I still have my fingers and toes crossed that he can – you know, because that's another guy. Remember, I was mentioning earlier about a guy like Ron Hessel cannot wear nothing but the orange and black. Right. For me personally, I, I know you're salivating. You'd want him in the blue jersey, but for me, there's a guy that should be not wearing anything but that black and orange as well. Yeah, not everything looks great on your TV, does it? Eh? When you get a second no, glance right. at it. All right, right and one on. last note on that. Go ahead. Sorry, Josh. One last no, note ahead. on that. The flyer, the Flyers' cap space this year too is at nine million. I mean, that may sound like a lot, but. You know, boy, they're, they're, they're a bit tight there. So it's going to be interesting to see what Chuck Fletcher does in the next couple months. Yeah, and I mean, for one last point, if you're talking about, you know, the Leafs being a, a potential landing spot, if you don't have the first-round pick to, to offer back, then you have, you're have you pretty much forced into offering 
players that may have great value. Uh, maybe they weren't right. first round picks, but maybe they've been playing fantastically well, such as an Andreas an Andreas Janssen uh, type of player. But even for myself, like as much as that would be great, like great for this season to try and win a cup, you're basically you know you know you're not going to have any cap space to to sign Simmons, even though he'd probably love to stay. He might even shave a couple of dollars off the top. Uh, to, right. to be able to stick around, but that a couple dollars isn't going to be, uh, you know, three and a half million. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? These no. guys want to play in a winning organization. Sure. Um, they want to play in a, a, a town where they've been from like Simmons or anyone else. I don't care if you're French and you're from, from Montreal and you want to go back there, but at the end of the day, it's a business and yep. you know, you're just not going to sign a deal that doesn't make any sense for you whatsoever. So I think Simmons for the Leafs perspective pure pure rental and and as a fan i'd be i'd be pissed there's no way i'd be letting dubas off the hook if he sent like a guy that we could definitely have at a pretty cheap sure you know what i mean pretty cheap cap hit for a while for one one kick at the can now if we win the if we win the fucking cup that's a totally different story isn't it like, uh, <laughs> like yeah, now yeah. i don't now i don't care what happens <laughs> Jeez! All right. If that happens, I'll take, if that happens, I'll take the trip with you to Scarborough when Wayne's got his day with the cup. We'll okay. To, uh, all right. Celebrate it. I'll have to hold that to you in case it comes to fruition. <laughs> so, all right, we'll wrap up that Flyers, uh, that Flyers segment uh, here with uh, Rich Shapu. Um, once again, Rich, uh, really appreciative of you being on, and hopefully, we'll have you on again uh, uh, in, in in due time. Um, you know, I know that you're you can be our our Philly correspondent, but uh, I feel like you've pro- probably got a pretty good handle on, on the league as a whole, Rich. So I'll, I'll throw this one at you, put you on the spot here, and ask you if you might want to give me a, a thought as to um, you know which teams out there just may be the biggest movers and the shakers uh, come the February twenty fifth trade deadline here in the NHL. Well, if you look at the West, I mean, you look at a team like. Uh you know, um, Colorado Avalanche, if, if they get in, uh, I think they're going to scare a lot of teams. So, uh, you know, they're probably looking at, uh, hey, let, let's get another at least one or two players to really put a big scare in everyone because, oh, boy, they've had themselves quite a great season. And what, do you, what, do you, what can you say about the top line of theirs, you know? So, for me, in the West, a team like the Avalanche, and then, of course, you got the usual suspects as well, too. You know, the Preds and, and the Jets, you know, they battled last year. They want to go at it again. So, they're going to look at uh, not obviously uh, making anything too crazy that causes them. They want to move forward, not back. But, I mean, they're just right there on the cusp, if you will. And uh, if they can get a, a pick or two to throw to put them over, then, of course, they're going to do it. Um, in the East, you know, if you think locally, I mean, there's a team, and they're not going to be in the playoffs, of course, but the Ottawa Senators, oh, what a season that they have had and just probably one they want to forget. And, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian is really <laughs> has his handful right now. I mean, I know he's trying to, you know, to nail down something with Duchesne here and really keep him as a sin. Um, but, uh, you know, Duchesne is going to look after Duchesne. That's himself. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, other teams in the East, uh, of course, you know, Tampa Bay, do they, do they need anything else? I mean, they just don't seem to have uh, any kink in their armor <laughs> There's no all. weakness no, there, yeah. There's no, no, nothing no, exactly. to address there. Exactly. But the Boston Bruins, you know, there's a team. You never count them out. I don't need to tell you about the Boston Bruins and the Leafs history. So if they get a pick or two in the trade, uh, makes them even stronger. Uh, look out for the Bruins. But, yeah, I mean... Um, 
I just hope I remember one day and I didn't take work off because I was actually had a broken leg. So I got to stay home and watch trade center all day long. And Oh my goodness, nothing was happening. Oh, well, I'm, never yeah. glad, I'm <laughs> glad I didn't take a work day of work off for this. So hopefully it's an eventful one this season. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they just, they wait for that day to happen and, uh, we'll, we'll see in the next three weeks, Josh. Yeah. I used to be one of those people, uh, back when I was in school, I would, I'd fuck off my classes for the day. I, I'd hand in my assignments early, uh, whatever needed to be done for me to be able to sit at home and just not have any responsibilities, be able to react and uh, receive yeah. the, the trade news. And yeah, it's it's a bigger it's a bigger let up or hype up slash let down than New Year's Eve ever can be. <laughs> they go, right. oh, yeah, we're going to get all this party on, get going and everything else. And then it just turns out to be a bit of a blah. No, you know? but yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, for me, Rich, I, I'm glad you didn't, I'm glad you didn't touch on them because I'm able to now, but my Good. biggest, my biggest question mark for the, the trade deadline, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, uh, you know, let's go on myself uh, for our listeners here on the Pucks and Deep for podcast. Sure. But I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets, what is going to go down you're in right, Columbus. Eh? I mean, like, they have lost a ton of games in a row, what, four or five games in a row, free fall down the standings, soon to be caught up by the likes of your Flyers, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Sabres. I mean, even the yeah. pa- even the Panthers are kind of nipping at their heels, although they've been in tough as of late. But they've got two of the biggest unrestricted free agents to be, in Artemi Panarin and, and Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, you're talking about an elite uh, top-line goal scorer in the Breadman Panarin. And, of course, one of the mainstays for a potential Vesna candidate year in, year out in uh, in Sergei Bobrovsky. So those are two massive trading chips, and I just can't, I can't wait to see what's going to unfold as to whether they're going to try and, you know, make a move or if they're just going to say, fuck it, we'll just keep these guys and we'll use them as a quote unquote own rental and uh, move into the playoffs with, with our own, with our own rental players and, and see what happens. I mean, that's really going to be an interesting, interesting scenario to see it play out. Well, Coley, I'm going to play the devil's advocate on that. And I'm going to say that one of the two are going to go. And for me, it's going to be Bobrovsky. I think Columbus is just uh, tiring of uh, like, yeah, season in, season out. He is just dynamite. But for some reason, he just can't seem to get it done in the playoffs. I think they might be tiring of that. And uh, not only that, the latest is that uh, you mentioned Florida Panthers. There's a team that's actually looking to gain someone, pick up someone like Sergei Bobrovsky. So, um, yeah, if the, if, the, if the Jackets are going to move one or two, I, I'm a betting man and I'm going to go with Sergei Bobrovsky. I think I'm with you on that one because the goaltending, like it. I don't know if you can find a, a real contending team out there that doesn't already have a good goaler, a good goalie, right? Like obviously all the right. good, good contending teams have great goalies. But, you know, if you can find a team that feels like they could do some damage in the playoffs if they had, you know, straight up solidified goaltending, no question marks asked. I mean, like you, you look at a team like Calgary, I'm not saying that David Riddick is a question mark, but he kind of came out of nowhere. So right. what if he wasn't there? If he wasn't there, then a team like Calgary might be might be middling and thinking, okay, we could make a huge difference. Like we could be a difference maker uh, as a For team, sure. as a team, if we could if we could have goaltending in their prime example because they're getting the goaltending and they're right at the top of the standings. Um, yeah. Philly, for example, is another good one. They're not going to make a trade for Bobrovsky. They already gave up on him once, but you know, the, right. they're not going to make a trade for Bobrovsky given where they are. But 
if you were able to, you know, flip flop uh, even forty percent of their one goal games that they've had this year, um, and give them some goaltending to start the season. And I don't even think the Flyers are where they are right now, uh, chasing other teams. So they could be an opportunity for a team to say, okay, listen, we've went through a bunch of goalies, but we managed to do it. Kind of like Arizona. Arizona has managed to get through a bunch of different goaltending injuries. That's right. Vegas did the same thing last year. Remember, they went through like five goalies at near the start yeah. of the season, and they somehow persevered. So. For me, Philly's following that same blueprint as those two aforementioned teams where they came out of the gate real soft in the goalie department. And unfortunately for Philly, though, I feel like they may have just left it a little bit too late uh, in comparison to those other two teams that kind of righted the ship a little bit sooner than, uh, than Philly has this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, my friend. All right, Rich. So, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again for uh, for joining us and... Jeez, between your call and, and Lesko's call, I didn't even have to fucking do any talking. So, that, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Coley, thanks for having me on, man. This was great. And uh, anytime you want to uh, know what's going on in Philly land, you know my number. And, uh, yeah, that was a blast. Thanks a lot. Sounds good, brother. We'll keep you on speed dial. And for the uh, local listeners, they can hear uh, Rich doing his color bit with Jeff Patterson on the road uh, for Lumber Kings games. Not every Lumber Kings game, but I would say most of them, Rich, more often than not, I think. Yeah, Yeah, more or less. Yeah, more or less three-quarters of them, and I believe we're on the road. Actually, this Friday night in Rockland. Friday night, Rockland, and you can catch those games on 104.9 MyFM. Once again, thanks to Rich the Kid Shapu, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon, Rich. Thanks a lot, Coley. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so yeah, that was uh, Rich Shapu from... uh, Hockey TV, Rich Shapu from Tuesday Night Hockey. We never even got uh, talking about uh, Tuesday Night Hockey because he loves to try and bury goals on me. And lately he's been scoring on me. Fucking everybody's been scoring on me because I've been shit uh, at Tuesday Night Hockey. So um, I did say that I was going to rant about offer sheets, but I, I don't have the energy, I don't think. So I think I'm probably just going to wrap it up here on the Pucks and D podcast. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter um, at PuckPod. Uh, that's the uh, Twitter handle for the uh, show itself. And then you can find Lesko is at Lesko Adam. And then myself, you'll find me at Coleman42. So um, yeah, make sure you give us a follow uh, share the uh, podcast with your friends and family. Give us a like, give us a subscribe. And um, yeah, we love to hear from you. Uh, we love the feedback and uh, we're glad to be bringing this uh, bringing this uh, episode 20 to you already. And I guess next week, I think we're actually going to be recording the uh, podcast a little bit earlier. I believe it's uh, looking like uh, Monday. I think we might be uh, moving forward with Monday night uh, recordings because Let's Go is often too tired to do it on Wednesday. I don't know if he's upset that I sewered him there telling him that he's too tired. He says it's Tuesday night hockey. He says I can't go out and play hockey and then come back and get to sleep. I don't know. I sleep like a fucking baby after Tuesday night hockey. Um, Anyways, that's going to do it here for the Pucks and D podcast. Josh Coleman signing off for another week. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Bless you, boys! I don't think 
I've ever been as proud in my entire life. Unbelievable!